Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's not another Buffalo podcast with John. You know, there's no way in hell that I can leave that in, right? <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> I mean, come on. Brandon needed a computer for this podcast, and he said, you know what, Dad? Can I have a computer? Cam needed a computer, and he steals 10 of them. <laughs> he steals 10 of them. And Brando. The one I got from 2011, it was probably one that Cam stole originally. That's why it doesn't work now, huh? Yeah, yeah. Damn, I love that intro because oh, it's just it's just so good. By the way, Brandon's dad didn't actually get him the computer. Brandon gambled his way into a computer for the record. Well, this laptop, I think about it all the time. Every time I open it up, this was purchased because of the upright in the New England Tampa game. Like that was what the parlay hit on. Right. So, right. So that's what got the money to buy this laptop. So yeah. think about that all the time. And uh, it's great to see the Patriots lose yet again and benefit us. You know, for those. Bad, but we'll talk about that in our other episode. This is a this is a purely Josh Allen love, Sean McDermott love, Brian Dable love, Stefan Diggs love, you know, show. Micah Hyde times two love. Of course. Well, as you guys know, we are not another Belichick beatdown podcast. I'm John. Woo. I'm here with Pat and Brando. And uh we're ready to dig in because that's that's all I wanted for Christmas. I don't know about you guys. Oh yeah. Yep. It was exciting to uh be able to for the first time for me in a long time, be able to sit in front of the TV, approximately three feet away from the TV. Sam was with me, but she learned very quickly that if I'm watching the game, I need to be able to hear the commentators and watch the game, watch the plays. I'm like, Sam, you know, you're a great gal over here, but we need to uh, zip it, lock it and put it in our pocket till halftime here. Okay. So uh, Mr. H emerges. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I, Ian Eagle impressed me with some of his comments. I have one here that he said, Ian Eagle said, he's like, the Bills are resolute in being aggressive today, like from the first snap going forward. And it was like, finally, like, let's go. These, these announcers are kind of on the Josh Allen train. I thought they did a pretty good job calling the game. Not like a Chris Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth list comment against the bills um so i don't know about you guys but it was great to watch and chill out and, and watch one of the best games that i've probably watched as a bills fan um, my dad told me to look up the no punt game in 1993 and i watched that it was like steve young jim kelly but this is the one that i'm going to tell my kids to watch the no punt game because it was that entertaining yeah i like iron eagle it's hard for me to not hear college basketball in my head when i'm listening to iron eagle but charles davis is kind of tough to listen to sometimes. And he's always doing that thing in the booth where he's got a football in his hand. <laughs> and he's like always looking for an opportunity to be like, okay, so this is where on the laces, if you're an NFL quarterback, you need to hold that. <laughs> like, he'll always like give you some like basic football lesson that like, you know, I don't know, maybe your cat is watching in the back and learn something from it, but I don't Dude, know. Tony, Tony obviously knows how to throw a football in this household. This phys yeah. ed teacher right here, man. Come on. Yeah. Everybody here, step, flick the booger. Boom. <laughs> I mean, Josh, Josh had a hell of a performance. I mean, that was, that really felt like Josh from like San Francisco last year. And it was yep. just like, they, they could not or stop. New England. Any, yeah. Or New England last year. I mean, it's just like, they couldn't stop anything that, that he was doing. And he's owned Foxborough the past two years now. So like, you I know, like that. Tr- I like that trend. You know what it looked like really? $258 million. Oh, it did. Yeah. Like he earned it. That was a $258 million game right there. It was. It was. That's a legendary game from him, no doubt. And you know what? The 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 moment that I've always loved from him is that first Minnesota hurdle. But 
watching that fourth and one. And then again, again, the fourth and one against Dallas on Thanksgiving. That was iconic. But the fourth and one, man, you got JC Jackson and whoever the DN Jamie was. Jamie Collins, just, yeah. Jamie Collins yeah. taking each other out. That's like my favorite play in sports. It happens in hockey from time to time. It happens in basketball from time to time. You juke a guy out into your own guy and just knock him the f*** out. And uh, JC Jackson, boom, gone. Josh, nine yards, first down. Like, let's go. That was a great call too. Like that's literally the definition of having faith in your quarterback. Well, I felt like that might have been like a call your own number because it didn't even look like anyone pulled really. Like it looked like even like Stefan Diggs was like like I don't know, four or five yards upfield. Like I, I was wondering when I watched it if it was like if it was like Josh's, you know what I mean? If it it might have been Jeremy White was talking about this on on the morning show this morning where if just because New England game planned it perfectly. Diggs didn't get a good block and, but he turns to the ball. So you can see, I bet I would bet if, if JC Jackson got hands on Josh's lower waist and tries to wrap him up, Josh, who already at this point has a couple shovel passes, does his best to shovel that ball to Diggs for five or six yards. There was a safety over the top, but I think you get that development of chemistry over time. And these two have it to the point that they could just look at each other. But Josh knows he's like, I got this scrub, man, man, this JC Jackson, JC who, man, this ain't Michael yeah. Jackson. I Jackson like that. Five. That third and 10 shovel pass was noise, dude. In it the was. Fourth quarter. Yep. That whole drive was just yeah. legendary. That's it a $258 was... million dollar drive, man. Now here's, here's the big question. Was that a 2021 NFL MVP drive. Yes. Cause okay. So I'll, I'll read you guys the odds for current voting favorites for the NFL MVP. This is, this is off of Caesars. I'm sure different places have different odds. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is currently the favorite only one. Uh, he's, he's the heavy favorite. He's at negative one seventy, and then wow. goes John. The next best odds is tied Jonathan Taylor and Tom Brady at plus 700. So, Interesting that not only is Aaron Rodgers so far in the lead, but a running back has better odds to win MVP than Josh Allen at this point. So after Tom Brady, it's Patrick Mahomes at plus 900 and then Josh Allen at plus 1200. So currently fifth, that's not bad, but I don't know. I, I, we all know that he could go on a tear for the rest of this season. I just don't know if since these last two games are not going to be, season deciders you know they're against inferior opponents and stuff like but that there's still must wins for us to get to the playoffs 100 100 um i'd like to see the the schedules that the other guys have laid out in front of them because green bay is just fighting for the one seed same thing with tampa bay colts are fighting for their playoff lives so if jonathan taylor has some monster games that might help his odds but yeah like i said i mean if you still had you know, the Patriots up are playing against Tampa Bay. I, th- I think there'd be opportunity there. And maybe, maybe Josh's odds would be better if they had pulled it out against Tampa Bay. But cause that, that, that entire comeback was, was Josh. He, I don't want to say it wasn't a team effort, but he really put the team on his back for that and, and kind of took it upon himself. I, I honestly think the MVP conversation is worthless because if we take a trip down memory lane way back in 2002, Rich Gannon was voted the NFL MVP and he <laughs> got to the Super Bowl and threw five interceptions. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's good. It's really just a fun topic, you know. They definitely played with some fire with, uh, you know, I sometimes I wonder too if like Sean McDermott was like, listen, I know I have a coach's vote right now to send this guy to the playoffs, but like I need him, I need him fired up right now. For this game in Foxborough. <laughs> yeah. Need that underdog mentality, which I mean, seems to be the best way that the bills perform as of the last two years. Think about this guys. Like we've literally waited 26 years for this since Jim Kelly retired. I mean, we don't remember any of his football and just watching every single throw that he made yesterday was literally like, oh, like it's happening. It's <laughs> happening in front of our eyes. And you know what his answer to all of this was is it's like he's out there and he knows that, you know, they might've played wrong. And like you said, he's gotten a lot of control over that offense, but we have the ball and we're up two scores and new England makes it six point lead Buffalo. And he almost throws that pick over Diggs' head. They Diggs broke left and Josh threw right and JC Jackson tipped it off his hands. But either way, even if they do score that, like I'm not phased because What's the best way that 
you can hold a six point lead, make it a 14 point lead, right? Go score more points. And Josh did that. And, uh, I, they weren't going to stop him at all, all game long. And even if it got a little dicey there, I was just like, we have a guy that is just better than you. Like, you know, when you get to the line, this guy could make a play no matter what. And there's maybe three teams in the league that can feel like that. Um, you know, you got Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers, you got Hill with, Mahomes and you got Diggs and Allen and all of those teams, you know, they've, they've done it. They won their Super Bowls and now we're next. Right. So we waited for this. Let's enjoy this game, relish something like that. Cause that's a game that's going to go in as legend for sure. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I'm encouraged by is just like what it felt like. Cause it wasn't just the fact that we won, you know, if we won 13 to 10 or like the, the 14 to 10, like they won the first time, I think we're, we're all in a different mood. You know, we're not on right. cloud nine, like like we are right now. I think that it's, it's the aggressiveness. Like you said, when you're up six, you know, sometimes McDermott wants to crawl into a shell and run the ball and play defense. And that doesn't always work in today's NFL. You know, this is what they did last year. They kept the pedal to the metal. They kept scoring points. The offense kept moving the ball and like the defense never, I don't think that there was a single drive that ended on their side of the field. I think they moved it into plus territory every single drive. I mean, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like every single drive made it across the field because there were no... Well, they never punted. Exactly. Well, how many times did we go for it? I want to say we went for it on four or five. Five times. Downs. I think they were four for five on fourth down. So, right. I the mean, one in the end, end zone being the miss. Right. That's progress in itself, you know, so... Well, you know what's also cool is... The way that the Patriots played, uh, not played Brady. Oh, oh my God. How did that slip? Played. You see, I'm messing up the goat with the goat. Um, <laughs> Sidetrack. I, I saw a tweet that was like, in the wild, goats can jump 8 to 12 feet when they're on the mountains. And then it was a picture of Josh Allen hurling three guys. <laughs> the goat. I thought that's funny. But uh, Belichick, we, if, if you look at the back of the, fu- of the film of the last drive, Belichick's only rushing two, three, four guys per play. And Josh was able to sit back, listen to his Sinatra in his brain and just pick it apart. And Belichick going into that game, it's like, is Josh going to be patient enough to do that? And he was, what else are you going to do? What are you going to blitz him now and play man coverage? So now you got the crossing routes to hit, like who's going to, what's the game plan? The game plan is to drop everybody in coverage and hope to get pressure with four. But uh, Belichick tried to do that and Josh lit him up. And uh, when they brought pressure, the, he hit the crossers over the top of the linebacker underneath for the safety. Some of those were just beautiful throws. Part of this is, and I can't believe we haven't even gotten to this yet, but Isaiah McKenzie had a hell of a game and 11 catches, a touchdown. I don't remember how many yards. I think it was over 100 yards. Um, 125, I think, or 125. Something like that, yeah. I mean, talk about stepping up. And I think one of the coolest things, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, but post game he was talking about he said he watched the film from the last New England game and they watch, he watched how they were playing Cole Beasley in that game and he took a couple of things away from that and said well if they're going to play me like they would Cole then I might be able to do these things give him credit I mean New England planned for you know the same thing like a slot receiver sit down in the zone type of thing whereas Isaiah McKenzie has way more straight line speed can really get open on all of those crossers. It's going to burn you in man or zone. Honestly, we're getting into the place where we might need to have the conversation about is Cole Beasley going to be a part of this team next year? And, you know, more, I guess, more foresighted than that, you know, what is his role going to be moving forward? And will Isaiah McKenzie be taking more snaps on offense now that they have a dependable returner in Marquez Stevenson? and more production from Isaiah McKenzie than they have had from Cole in a single game this year. And that's not to diminish Cole Beasley because I think he's still talented and still will have a role and is a great third down target, great at sitting down in zones. But I don't know. Isaiah was on fire yesterday. So you're right. I agree with that, all of what you said. I mean, Beasley's got such few yards after the catch this year. And McKenzie's really good at that, getting getting movement off the ball. And you save $6 million by cutting Beasley next year. But at the same time, it, you can never have too many good players on a team. And 
think about it like this. Who's Isaiah McKenzie's backup? Stevenson. All right. Like the drop off is there from Cole Beasley to Stevenson. It's nice to have a guy, you know, you could play two slot receivers. You could put, if Sanders leaves, you know, you have Davis, you could put Beasley and McKenzie and Diggs on the field and have a great lineup. I think they would still be the better top 10 wide receiving talents, but I think it's good to have Beasley, even in his older age, in case something happens, you know, McKenzie got hurt yesterday. The guy that was a workhorse falling on the ball and it's like, he could have hurt his ribs there. You know, he's a smaller guy. Injuries happen in the NFL every single season. I mean, last year when Beasley broke his leg, that wasn't good. And McKenzie had to come in again. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, maybe he restructures his deal for a lower cap hit, but I'm not ready to throw in the towel with him yet. I don't think. No. Yeah. I I agree with you completely. It's, Really, I mean, I don't know what the uh, the team dynamic is there too, because obviously, if you're Cole Beasley, you know you're you're a vested veteran at this point. You know, are you gonna be okay having or getting less snaps than Isaiah McKenzie? And I would like to think yes. I hope that wouldn't cause any kind of uh, of ripple. But the the reality is that you're not going to be able to have them both on the field consistently uh, for a large number of snaps. Because why not though? Why can't we do that? Because here, here you go. So if you're doing, you have to have four wide receivers on the field. If you're going to have Beasley, they're and both your slot guys. Boom. Easy. Yep, exactly. That's when you're running four wide, which is not a lot of what the bills run. Because when you run four wide, you can only have a tight end or a running back with that. You and most likely, it's, yeah. So, but <laughs> you're running, you can run five wide with Knox there too, but there's not put, put Knox in the backfield for all I care to block. If you want him to come block out of the backfield, you've seen it happen a couple of times. You could, but they're going to have Singletary back there. I know. And then I, you're taking Knox off the field you. for, for a slot receiver. So, you know, whereas you get so much more versatility also. And this is the other thing that I think is really important. Having Isaiah McKenzie on the field all the time, rather than a minority of the time, because he's the ultimate decoy when he's yeah. on the field all the time. If you're Absolutely. only bringing him on for the snaps where you want to run the jet sweep, then the defense is keying on that True. on that movement every single time because they know that you're bringing him in to try to get him the ball. Whereas if he's on the field all the time, then that threat is relegated. You know what I mean? So, you know, oh, Cole absolutely. Beasley, they, they know that they're not going to run the jet sweep to Cole Beasley, so the defense doesn't have to worry about it. So, interesting to see how they'll deal with that moving forward because... This uh, this offense has more speed when Isaiah McKenzie's on the field. You know, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, we need as much speed as we can. Yeah, and Isaiah McKenzie, if, if the dude has a wild uh, couple of games here and back half of the season, then I'm I'm sure it'll be a conversation for the off season. But yeah, yeah. Well, and also potentially him potentially him going somewhere else after he's had two good late you know, your performances the past two years. I mean, that's my only other fear is that he's a restricted free agent. He plays too well. He plays too well and then goes somewhere else where they pay him a little bit more. But I mean, he took a pay cut to be here. He posted this on his Twitter today and uh, I mean, he makes 1.4, I think mil double, give him three, whatever. It's pocket change for Pagula's. I was going to say, yeah. Cole Beasley, let's see. Next year, he's on schedule to make, he's Eight. on schedule to have a $7.6 million cap hit. Yeah, but you, so, can, you save six mil if you cut it. Right, his dead cap would be one and a half. So yeah. it's like three, or you could still pay McKenzie three million dollars and still have that dead cap and the Beasley and the Beasley dead cap and the McKenzie hit less than what Beasley would cost right now. True. Oh yeah, True. you could even restructure yeah. Beasley to make one point five million dollars yeah. less a year and give that to McKenzie to keep him around. You know, and just yeah. redistribute the money based on snaps. But I know it's not that simple. Uh, yeah, Miles Bryant, man, he's going to be having nightmares about it. Literally looked like he <laughs> on that last drive. It looked like he beat Miles Bryant, like literally four plays in a row on that last drive. Like that was on. Yeah. And then he, he was like, I think 46 is a good player. I just, I just was ready to go today. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> he was funny, man. I, he's, he's a good personality when he's interviewed too. I, I appreciate that about him. Uh, definitely. I mean, and he's been here. For a long time. It's it's amazing that... I mean, I don't want to say he's been under our radar or anything like that or underutilized, but it's cool because he's he's been here for a while. I mean, when was he signed? 2018? Something like yeah. that? Off yeah. the Broncos practice squad, I believe. Yeah. yeah. He's here, Josh's first year. 
it's one of those deals too where we don't even we were talking like the first episodes of the season does isaiah mckenzie even make this team so right because the wide receiver room was so crowded at that point yeah because that was when marquez stevenson in preseason had a return for a touchdown and you know we didn't know if we didn't know if he was faster if he was gonna fill that same role but anyway so we have a better debate to get to what was it that Diggs said to the patriots fans on the broadcast that you could hear was it a smfd or b stfu and I'm not going to elaborate any further on those. But STFU. It was STFU. Yeah. You think so? Did you see the clip? I did. I did. And yeah. I listened to it a couple times. And I don't. Here's what I heard I heard him point and go, you, you, you. And then I thought I heard, I thought it was a crowd member that yelled that. Oh, uh, maybe. I thought, because it sounds like a different voice a yeah. little bit to me. But again, could be wrong, but that's that's what I heard. I thought that it was that, but yeah, I think I think STFU would make more sense too because SMFD is kind of like a very um, specific command. You know? <laughs> so um, you know, I, he was definitely fired up though, and I, I liked how it, it, you know what else I found interesting about this game is that everyone came into this game like this is going to be a showdown between JC Jackson and, and Stefan Diggs. And it was, it was just like, dude, both guys were like playing hurt out there. Just like, it was, <laughs> it was such an interesting dynamic. Cause like poor Stefan Diggs definitely had like his shoulder. Like, I don't know if it went on a socket. His or oblique. What, like, yeah. From the leg. WWE wrestling move that that yeah, guy that pulled. Terrible. Oh, sorry. No, I just was going to uh, elaborate what you said about Diggs and Jackson. Um, one of our own reporters, Jerry Sullivan, tweeted, even in the best of times, Bill Belichick has a way of taking away the Bills' best receiver out of the game. Ask Lee Evans in quotation marks goes back a decade. I wouldn't expect much from Stefan Diggs on Sunday. And I responded in his four games against New England up to this point, one with Minnesota and three with New England. Uh, through with Buffalo against New England. He's got 24 receptions, 337 yards, and three TDs. So I don't know what he finished with yesterday. What do you have? 80-something yards? 86 yards, yeah. So it's yeah, 86 teeter. plus 37. So he's at like 420 wink, yards, uh, four touchdowns in five games against Belichick. So I think, you know, not to put this dude on blast, but I'm blasting him because just that was a bad take. <laughs> yeah. Stefan Diggs outmatches every corner in the league. I don't care. It's easier to play receiver you have the advantage as a receiver. You have you know where you're going on the field. They don't know where you're going on the field. And if you see some of these routes that he runs, they're just so crisp. They're clean. He can beat anybody on a route. And Josh knows that and he trusts him. So if you watch the game, you don't say stupid stuff like that. But whatever. <laughs> Who am I? Uh, we, could, we could go for a while on Jerry, but we shouldn't. I, I just thought like that specifically was interesting. Yeah. So how about this too? Speaking of somebody that might be out of a job, this whoever coached New England's offense yesterday in the windy game, they completed what three passes. And yesterday on a perfectly fine weather day, right? They held the Bills defense held the Pats to 288 yards. They went one for ten on third down and had two takeaways of that offense. So I think that anybody who talked about the Patriots coming into this game at all under any sort of circumstances about being able to play with us should just like take us take a back seat, yeah. right? I like, mean, and McDermott was ballsy saying that Bill Belichick sometimes gets too much credit for the success of the team. Like, yo, I mean, he said it in his stuff. interview. He's like, let's not give Bill Belichick too much credit here. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of, um, I think I tweeted it on the, not another Buffalo podcast account. Um, but after, you know how everyone in the new England media almost seems afraid to ask bill questions sometimes after losses because he looks so mad. And so we get these, we get these clips where bill is sitting there for at least 15 to 20 seconds, just like looking around in silence. Like, are you going to ask me a question? And this reporter asked a question and she was like, no, nah, new uh, year's resolution. Oh yeah. New year's resolution. She was like, uh, you know, sorry about the loss. Do you have any, uh, new year's resolutions you'd like to share? And Bill's like, not at this time. No. <laughs> 
And it's like, shout oh, out to him so for sad- being like it's so satisfying for him to watch him <laughs> squirm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like it though. He's on some Jedi mind tricks, dude. You know, got them all on their toes. He does yeah. seem to have a lot of respect for Josh Allen though, which is surprising because he really he doesn't have respect for, you know, a lot of other players in the league. So if Belichick ever got a hold of Josh Allen, they would probably never lose another game. No, they would oh, never no. lose another game. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the Belichick slash Brady thing. That's what they do. They, they kill you with kindness and then just try to destroy you on the field. He could be, I'm sure watch his pregame uh, press conferences. Uh, you know, when they're going up against Miami week 18, he'll be like, yeah, the, they got a lot of weapons. Uh, Tua's uh, definitely coming into his own. Looks like a good NFL quarterback. And like, you know, they'll just go off. Like they don't even care if they believe what they're saying. They just like, they do the obligation. Like it's basically the equivalent of Marshawn saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Like they're just yeah. using more words. But no, it was a, it was an interesting game, you know, and I'm just happy that usually, I mean, and I, I feel bad because like, you know, Miles Bryan and, and Jamie Collins did have a, a, a rough go of it out there. But I always felt like there were always like when we would play the Pats, there would always be two links that, you know, didn't end up being the strongest for us. And it was cool to see, you know what I mean? I always go back to like the Leotis McKelvin muffed punt game. And it was good that we had a couple of those scenarios where we were playing against a team where we really out schemed them. And like, even on that Jerry Hughes play, you know what I mean? I'm glad that I'm glad that we got a break because you know, every once in a while you need that. And you know, I, I just feel like, I don't know. And, and, and in Jerry's defense, he was trying to keep him up. Speaking but, of it, know. this is a good scenario where you see nice guys win because like you said, Jerry was trying to keep him up and the nice guy got the benefit of the doubt right there. After all of the years of Jerry Hughes, abusing and i use that word lightly abusing the officials i believe eric wood said one time with that he was talking to kyle williams and they were talking about how they talk to the refs and uh they said that jerry hughes would just go off on the referees in the game and then they would hit him with all the penalties like he would just get all the ticky tack penalties or he'd get a holding penalty or defensive holding whatever it is so he they said finally in his older age he's calmed down in the way that he talks to the refs um so finally, looks, it's good to see. He looks, he looks very passive, even when penalties are, are thrown his way. Like he's, he's got, he's got it down. You can tell, like he's, he's got himself like hundred percent under control in those situations, which is like yeah. something that I'd not be able to say about myself in that situation. And obviously <laughs> not younger players and stuff like that, or, or Josh or anyone else on the team for that matter. Yeah. But you know what else is interesting? I think the bills got labeled soft for giving up what 200 yards on the ground. Right. right. Uh, and yet here we are. Bill Belichick's defense. What's the difference? You let up 200 yards on the ground. You only scored 14 points. We just torched you for like f- over 400 yards of offense. Right. Josh put up almost 380 himself. Um, so who's soft? What, like, is there uh why I'll is it? You, I'll tell you. Why what is it it's a it's bad run defense? It's soft. Bill's, Bill's core is soft. He's been eating too much. Yeah. You know, you know what's soft? Mac games. Jones rag arm. His rag arm. I, <laughs> I, I, I need to, I need to lead better. I, uh, coach Belichick knows that he expects more out of me. I need to be better. So, <laughs> that is official audio. It's that so wild audio. to me that. <laughs> He's soft as hell. He's the softest quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, like, no offense, Mac. Nah, dude. It's the way that your coach plays you because he doesn't trust you. You, He has to play you soft, so he gives the ball away from you. And you're a soft little little dude who can't grow a beard, and that's okay. It'll come. But, like, your team got gashed on defense, so they played soft. The Bills are not a soft defense just because they had a run defense game that they let up 200 yards rushing. You you got torched, so you should be labeled soft if that's how yeah, the NFL well, works. And I don't want to hear any more of this uh, Mac Jones game manager. Look at that completion percentage because, you know, if Josh Allen had a game where he was, what was Mac, 13 for 26 with two picks, they'd be like, all right, <laughs> we got to get him off the field right now. Tell him not to come back. Yeah, and Selp mentioned this today. Uh for quarterbacks that are attempting 30 or more passes, 14 is the lowest number of the season by any quarterback. And the second lowest was Trevor Lawrence in like week two of the NFL. So, uh, yeah, well, we don't want to talk about Jaguars. (laughs) No, well, no. And and you get it, but 
it's just a comparison there for uh the completion percentage and oh yeah, know, yeah yeah no you're right i'm just saying like bringing us back down to the jaguars game yeah we're not gonna do that so but it's uh, a literal <laughs> kick in the gut but urban Meyer style but no. there you go <laughs> <sighs> anyways it feels good to just yeah, dump on man. them and uh there's and just a lot, a lot of good worse, things. honestly i mean if kumaro catches that touchdown and we don't kick a field goal and then also on the um emmanuel sanders drop i mean this game we could have easily put up 40 points on this team. easy 40 yeah and, and i hope we play uh, again illegal, the illegal lineman downfield yeah uh, yeah Dawson's touchdown yeah. no you're good i always think of that denver broncos game <laughs> where we scored three times in a row and it got called back all three times josh Allen was like how many times do you want me to score then <laughs> yeah. rips it to kumaro after that yeah, that was dude. the touchdown jesus touchdown yes well i'm trying not to get too like haha new england because i know that there still might be a bigger matchup than this one this Let's year go. possibly but like i'm on it i'm ready for it but it's so funny i had Tons of friends from college who are from Boston and, and other friends that uh, that are here around Nashville text me after the first game and like talk a bunch of smack. And I chose not to text any of them after this one because I know that this isn't the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, you can talk to them after we knock them out of the playoffs. Yeah. And talking to one of them is like, here's your participation trophy. I'm like, oh my God. You sound like freaking Kevin Costner from uh, 13 Days. Wasn't there, there was some crazy, uh, there's some crazy people calling into like New England talk shows too, right? I, I had yeah, heard. that was good. Those are good clips. I mean, we could act them out for you if you want. Like, who's got the best box in that Boston X? <laughs> the Patriots, the, the, the rookie wall, there's no such thing as a rookie wall with this kid. He's got a rag arm. He couldn't throw in that windstorm. The other guy threw the ball all over the park and then yesterday proved it. Receivers, no receivers. Skill players, no skill receivers. The kid playing quarterback ain't our future. The future of the NFL is over in Buffalo. That guy, six foot four, two thirty, runs right by you, throws it ninety yards. And the other thing I want to say is, Belichick hasn't won but just without Tom Brady. So to, to be overinflated on this Bill Belichick, great defense. Let's run the ball. Yeah, Bill Parcells did that back in the 80s. So that, is that where we're going here with this team? Come on, it's over. AFC goes through Buffalo for 20 years, not us. It's over. Let's go. Let's go. You heard it here first on New England Radio. Oh, man. I didn't think that I'd be getting pumped up by New England Radio today. Oh, that's great. But here we are. I saw some guy, a uh, New England fan, tweeted, let Mac Jones cook. And the reply in the comments is a bologna and cheese sandwich with mayo. (laughs) (laughs) You and Josh cook, you got like a five-star dinner. You're going to be stuffed (laughs) and satisfied for days. Stuffed and satisfied for days. We're going to get a quick break in and we'll be right back with Sabres update and pass here of the drought and we'll get a little bit of Falcons preview in even though there's not much to say there. (laughs) But We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's time for the Weekly Sabres Update. (laughs) 
This has been your weekly Sabres update. I don't even know what to talk about for the Falcons preview because obviously, I mean, it's, it's almost a trap game. I, I don't like that term that much. And even if you're they statistically the- do not exist, Mike Shope has debunked the term trap game. There's no correlation to this where they, where a team sleeps on a game. I mean, you can say it's mental, but Mike Shope is very against that on WGR 550 in Buffalo. Well, there's, and it's there's not really a stat that you would be able to use to prove it. It's more yeah. of a, it's more of a, I, I, I'll agree with you. I think that there is a little bit of a confirmation bias here because obviously favorites win games a majority of the time. So in those times that they don't, we look in hindsight and think, oh, that was a trap game. And then when that compounds, you think of trap games and that's where a lot of that comes from for a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, I it's think really like just like, it's, it's stat- a debate. It's a debate about the causation of why teams like that lose in, in situations yeah. like that. I think his official so. stat pulled like a two game spread when one game was against the team under 500 and the team, the second game was over 500. And he referenced some number about it being not like a 50 50 split, not even close. But yeah, flukes well, happen again, in the NFL. Like, yeah, but favorites win a majority of the time. So. I mean, look at look at this weekend. We, we said it in Brando's bets last week. There was what six double digit underdogs so far this year, and then we have another one this week with with the Chargers and the Texans. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be on this list, Buffalo. Like you, well, you already are on this list because of the game. We won't bring up again. But uh, I think that when you're looking at this game, you're looking at Cordell Patterson, and can you yeah. contain him? Right? Exactly. He's the he's the person you got to stop and. Conveniently, he got shut down. He was on my fantasy team. Had a terrible game. A lot of uh, fantasy owners disappointed in that. Oof. They I got get him to hard. the dance room and then he just doesn't dance. He sits out, right? Every single one of my players decided to take a week off in in the second round of the playoffs. So my, my fantasy season ended with Matt Stafford scoring less than 10 points. Don't forget. Um, who's on your bench? Joe Burrow. Oh! Dropped. dropped. Dropped a 50 burger almost. Ouch. So that one hurt a little bit, but I mean, come on, who, who would have started Burrow over Stafford? I know it's literally like we talked about him in our episode. Yeah. I think that's, that's about it for Falcons preview. (laughs) Yeah, literally. I mean, who they got to throw the ball to. I don't even know. I mean, Kyle Pitts is, he's close to, he could potentially break a thousand yards in this game I'm looking at right now. He's at, I think Russell Gage is another one of their receivers. Russell Gage is at 594 Uh yards and um, three TDs. Kyle Pitts is about to pull together a Jacoby Meyer season right here where he's got 64 catches for 949 yards, 14.8 yards per reception, but only one teeter. Um, But I mean, you know, and I, I think that, I mean, for as crappy as it is for Calvin Ridley, it's kind of good that um, we don't have to worry about him in this game as well. So, interestingly enough, no Falcons receiver has more than five receiving touchdowns. Isn't it crazy? The scope of the NFL. Yeah, dude, and Gabe Davis has got to have at least eight. So, it's like we have, what, Dawson Knox, Stefan Diggs with nine, and then Gabe Davis with eight. Well, I remember years that Bills had like zero touchdowns to wide receivers, and they were like nine games into the year. I like believe all, of, all six. of their touchdowns were to wi- uh, to running backs or tight ends. Ouch. I mean, there's years where there's 18 touchdowns with Tyrod or 20 touchdowns from Tyrod or 12 touchdowns from Manuel. You know, these are not good numbers. Like our fourth guy almost has as many touchdowns as their leading receiver who also has to play running back, unfortunately, for him. But, and at one um, time, Matt Ryan was like the class of the pocket passers in the NFL, right? Oh, he was, dude. Well, he's yeah, like he had that those... MVP season. That was the year that they <laughs> lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's like your homie that was like such a cool, interesting dude and was like super good looking, you know? And then they, they go through one really, really terrible breakup and um, they never they never get back to where they were, you know? So yeah. I feel bad. I think if the Falcons win that game, like Matt Ryan potentially is on like some Tom Brady shit right now, but or he's on the Hall of Fame list, right? Like, is Matt Ryan yeah, a Hall dude. of Fame quarterback? I don't think so. Yeah, no. not anymore. I mean, not throwing stats might TDs say and he picks. is, but I mean, even in the NFL, if you look now, 
over career numbers, like you have a lot of guys that are going to be supplanting guys like Matt Ryan's statistics, even Matt Stafford. You know, I love Matt Stafford. I'll beat the drum for Stafford all day long. But like you said, the guy, the caller in New England said it perfectly. Unless you have a Josh Allen, you're not going to win. So you got Patrick Mahomes on some otherworldly stuff. Justin Herbert wakes up some days and decides to be on Saturn and wakes up and sometimes doesn't leave his house. So like, you know, I don't know. It depends on the day, but these quarterbacks that are not elite elite are going to the separation in the parody in the NFL. It all comes down to the quarterback play. Like, think about it. We don't have Josh last night. We don't win that game. No, we probably got about three W's on the season. If Josh Allen doesn't play for the Buffalo Bills, just even, <laughs> even our defense, I would say even a little more than that. Cause Mitch is average, but like to go from an eight and eight team or, a, or whatever, seven and nine. I mean, whatever the numbers are with 17 games this year, that extra couple wins comes from your quarterback. And this is a game that he gets it to you done. And this is why you pay him the money. And it's great to see it. Like I said, for the ninth oh, time in this episode. Yeah. And I thought, I thought about it as well. Kind of like how we talked about that. We were going to eventually come around in these one score games. And like, you know, it was interesting. Like you said, when Josh almost threw that pick, I mean, that was a one score game at that point. That was, a, you know what I mean? Yeah. We were, if they score a touchdown, we're down. And like, I still, I felt like this was like the first close game all year that we really kind of were able to hold our own, you know? So, but well, that's, anyways, that's, uh, that's what gives me faith that the Bills are going to be good for a long time. Because So it was in 2019, the AFC Championship game, for the first time since 2002, didn't have a quarterback named Brady, Manning, or Roethlisberger yeah. in it. So it's time and time again, like the, those teams with the good quarterbacks are consistently in the AFC Championship. And, you know, anything can happen when you get there, but, you know... You got a 50-50 shot of going to the Super Bowl if you just get to that point. And most good teams make it to the conference championship if, but they're, think about if they're elite. Like a, a guy like Brett Favre in his career or Aaron Rodgers. They Aaron Rodgers has been to one, right? Or did he go to two and lost? He beat the Steelers and Aaron Rodgers has yeah. been to a lot of conference championships and he's, nice. he's lost so a lot. Brett Favre. He's been to about seven of them. Well, Brett Favre is like also, I feel so bad for Brett Favre because like he had two situations where he threw like a hasty interception in overtime to like prevent his team. Like his last year in Green Bay he threw a hasty interception in overtime versus those the Giants. Giants. Like and then the in the Minnesota and then game. The Vikings, yeah. Yep. Against, yeah the against the Saints. Saints. Yeah. So. Yep. But either way, I mean, a lot of these quarterbacks, they can sustain the success but can they get you to that next level? And we have a next level guy here. I mean, I don't, even if it's not this year, we're getting a window. The TV deals are going to boost the cap another 20 million. You know, you got receivers on rookie deals, money to work with on the offensive line, defense in their prime. You got a, a, a top five linebacker locked up. You got another young guy, even if he's average, like he's still good. He's he's the line middle linebacker of, He's been in the league four years and his defenses have been top four every year, top five every year. So, I mean, you got anchors in everywhere. So I uh, just set the ship a sail and we're, we'll get to our destination one of these years. Yeah. All right, Pat, you got a dress salute? I do. Please remove your hats, lift your drink and shut your trap as we salute this week's standout of the drought. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I would like you all to put a um, somber pair of hands together for this week's Hero of the Drought. I guess um, now. <laughs> I Sorry, mean, potentially, Sorry. is it? It's a softball one today. But um, so this player, um, he was born on August thirteenth, nineteen eighty-eight, in Sugarland, Texas. Um, in his senior year of high school in two thousand five, this player was an all-district running back and kick returner. Interestingly enough, he played for Texas Christian University from 2006 to 2009. During those years, he was a two-time All-Mountain West Conference player as well as the 2009 Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Interestingly enough, the Mountain West 2009 Offensive Player of the Year was also this player's teammate, Andy Dalton. Like I said, he was All-Mountain West Conference, Mountain West Player of the Year. Um, he was also a two-time consensus All-American. This player was a first-round draft pick, drafted round one, pick 31, um, by a Colts team that had just lost in the Super Bowl to the immortal Drew Brees. This player played both with 
Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. He came to the Buffalo Bills in 2013. Um, I mean, when he first came here, his first coach, the entrepreneur, if you will, that brought him here, Mr. Doug Whaley, um, he's played for coaches um, Chan Gailey, Doug Marone, Rex Ryan, and Sean McDermott. Um, this player is third all time in sacks for the Buffalo Bills with 57 and a half. In a Buffalo Bills uniform, this player has played with a plethora of quarterbacks under center, including EJ Manuel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Orton, Matt Castle, Jeff Toole, Thaddeus Lewis, Derek Anderson, Nathan Peterman, Matt Barkley, and of course the Messiah Joshua P. Ann. <laughs> Joshua P. Allen. Um, so, anyways. This player also in 2014 was part of a Rex Ryan led defense that led the league in sacks. With all of that said, I wonder if um, you guys might have any idea who, who could be. I changed my mind. I, I was not, you said somber. I didn't think it was going to be, <laughs> I was, I was expecting something else. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this player was also the only player that team you were talking about that led the, led the league in sacks. He was the only Bills defensive lineman uh, who didn't make it to the Pro Bowl that year. Snub. 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 Mr. Jerry Hughes. Jerry. Jerry. Jerry, baby. Jerry. This is quite, <laughs> I didn't know he played running back. I forgot about that. Me neither. Yeah. And that's what he said it because like in that Broncos game, everyone was like, yo, Jerry, you were carrying that When he ball. ran the like, ball back. I right? Brett. He was like, I was an all-league kick returner in high school. It was like... <laughs> But That's funny. Nah, yeah. Hell of a player. And if he gets one sack this postseason, he will be number two all time in Buffalo Bills postseason. With what, six sacks? Like five sacks? How many sacks? Well, he's at six right now, and Daryl yeah. Taylor's at number two with six and a half. So That's um, wild with all the games that the 90s Bills played in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Smith has like 16 postseason sacks, which is like disgusting. No one. He's got play. almost a full season of playoff games so in his career, right? Like True, true. Right. Think about it. Like three or four per year. Like... <laughs> I'm trying to remember years. who. So the the other three guys on that defensive line were Marcel Darius, Darius, Mario Williams, and Kyle, Kyle Williams. Kyle right? Williams, yeah. yeah. Mario Williams, low key, was like a good acquisition. I remember when we got him, he was like the marquee free agent at the time, and I feel like I don't know. It's one of those deals. It's kind of like the Panthers have great defensive linemen and no one that can play quarterback, but still, I mean, like those right. defensive linemen are great. So, yeah, I think he was the first uh, $100 million contract for a defensive player. Yes, he was. Jerry or Mario Williams? Mario Williams. Oh, Mario. Mario Williams yeah. Also, I got yeah. I got 20 games for Bruce Smith for playoffs, playoff and I got games. 14 and a half sacks. 14 and a half. That's disgusting. I mean, Jerry's probably played in, oh, Jesus, not a lot. He's probably played in, let's see. Well, let's see. So. Jaguars game, Texans game. And then three uh, last year. Colts. Ravens and then Chiefs, so five, so right? Yeah, f- six sacks in five games is pretty damn impressive. Pretty good, yeah. yeah, he turns it up well, when he needs to. I think he's a potential Wall of Fame guy. Oh, what dude, he should be the what first player on this. No, uh, Kyle on this Williams team right probably. Now. Kyle Williams probably. is he not up there? No, no. We had this. Remember, Pat? We had this conversation before where we like the last person to go on the wall. Like, you know, we're not. We're talking like before Eric Molds and stuff like that. I think the last player to go up was a '90s guy. I can't yeah. remember. Uh, didn't they do something with Ralph Wilson on the wall when he passed away? Yeah, I'm talking players. Yeah, I just trying to think. I remember, but that. I would think. I mean, considering everything, I would think that on this roster right now, at least within the next three years, if they retire, like Micah Hyde has to be a, a Wall of Famer. Like Jerry Hughes, absolutely is a Wall of Famer. If he f- didn't play another snap for the Buffalo Bills, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, he's got. He played in. He played in one playoff game. In New England, or not New England, in 2010 and 2012 yeah. in Indy, and he got so I guess okay. that's seven games. Yeah, he had no sacks, and then you come into in Buffalo against Deshaun Watson, he put up three sacks, uh, and then yeah, in last Buffalo year, last sacks. year he put up three sacks. So he's got six sacks in two games. Pat, I was Pretty surprised. Uh, I thought you were going to mention the player that he was traded for because I couldn't remember Calvin Shepard. Calvin Shepard, that's right. Yeah, he was actually pretty a, damn good. He was pretty damn good in a Colts uniform for a hot sack. Yeah, but been out of the league for how long now? Yeah, no, at least five years. I mean, freaking I Jerry, though. One. 
I was going to be like, this player, understanding the importance of being vaccinated, had to give his teammate a tongue lashing on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Leadership, man. He says the hard things, right? No, I'm definitely a fan, man. I still can't believe that, like, it doesn't even seem like that long ago, like when Andy Dalton was drafted and like when um, Jerry Hughes, like, I remember that draft vividly. And it's like now all those guys are like getting ready to like be Retire. on their farewell tours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life moves fast in the NFL, dude. It's crazy. Like, yeah. Like Josh is in his fourth year right now. Fifth year, fourth year, fourth year, fourth which year. is crazy. Right. We we could be in a 12 year career is, is f-ing phenomenal. That's what Jim Kelly had. Right. So like we got to enjoy this while we can. Yeah. And I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, the first time that he went in a preseason game and Brian Dable dialed up, you know, the deep ball. And he, uh, I think it was, Robert Foster caught it out of bounds, you know, but we were so amped up just to see him like flex the gun. Like, Maybe I'll, we'll save this for next episode, but I was going to ask you guys what your favorite top five Allen moments are. Um, but I think Ooh. we should do some homework and we should tease that and we'll come back next week with that. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. We can even do that on Friday. Uh, yeah, we can put it in with this, with the, with the bats episode. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's a lot, I mean, it's only four years and uh, I was thinking about this, I don't want to say I was thinking about this in the shower because it sounds funny, but I was thinking about this in the <laughs> hey, shower. Josh Allen in the shower all the time, man. So, uh, you know, that's where I listen to my sports talk. So, yeah, I was like, what, what are the five? Because I was thinking of a few off the top of my head, but um, there's there's some tough. So maybe we do like a little bracket or something. We, we do the both yeah. of us. Yeah. All of us. Just some crazy moments, man. Let's like, do it. All right. Well, all that and more next time. <laughs> Tune in. But, yeah. All right. Uh, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at not buff podcast. Yeah. Stay tuned on Friday. We'll do some Brando's bets and, uh, our game picks. I think Brando's bets hit again this week, right? season strong. The Christmas rally as those stock market investors call it the end of the year. Santa Claus comes to town, carries the S and P 500 up. Josh Allen comes to town, carries our bank balances up and up. And we'll talk more about it on Thursday which you'll listen to on Friday, maybe or Saturday or Sunday. But you know, if you listen to it on Monday, it's probably out of date. So yeah, it's it's a little behind, but yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Take care, gentlemen.